We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. Um, so we've done Afrontes so far. We've done eight parts. All right, today we'll probably will be like part 8B, you know, um, because I don't want to start um, the new, the, we're supposed to be going into the distraction of accomplishments today, part nine. Sometimes nothing stands, the, ol- the only thing more dangerous than the fear of failing is the certainty of success. Sometimes the only thing more scary or more dangerous than the fear of failing is the certainty of success. In other words, the certainty of success can be more devastating than the fear of failure. I thought I said I wasn't going to teach it. (laughs) Forgive me. I'm just, I'm just teasing, like a trailer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Trailer. Next week, Tuesday. <laughs> Sometimes you don't start something because you're afraid you're going to fail. So you procrastinate. You dilly-daggle. You're, you're not sure. You oscillate. You're hesitant. You're afraid. And then you go from that point to the point where you have been there, done that. Success is not something new. And so you get cocky. Because success is something you have gotten used to accomplishing. Does that make sense? So you throw caution to the wind because it's no longer the fear of failure, it's the almost certainty of success. And sometimes in our walk with God, we get to the point where, you know, church planting, come on. Worship leading. I've done this for 20 years. Because you can do something to the point where that thing becomes your confidence. And you forget the place of grace. You forget the place of Christ in it. Especially when it's something you do effortlessly. The most dangerous thing to be spirit-led to do is the thing you do effortlessly. I repeat. The most difficult thing to be spirit-led in is the thing you do effortlessly. Again, that's part of the, 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 the distraction of purpose. We are called to be the gospel. Right? We are called to preach the gospel. In fact, Paul says, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. And then they get to a place in the book of Acts, to preach the gospel. And the Bible says, and the Spirit of God forbade them. The Holy Spirit banned Paul from preaching a gospel he was saved to preach. Are you here? Let's open your Bible to Acts so some people can see it. I was hoping we could take the 
synopsis, but can I just flow with this already? Before, before we do Acts, let's do Romans 8. Romans 8. <clears throat> from 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them who love God, those who love God, to those who are the called according to his what? Purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So what was our destiny as believers? Conformity to the son. So you can't change your destiny. No, we have the same destiny. And our destiny, which was predestined, was that you be conformed to Christ. So who is, the question is not what is your destiny. The question is who is destiny? Christ. And the only time the word predestined or destiny is used in the New Testament is in relation to us becoming Christ. So he conformed us to the image of his son that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brethren. 30. Moreover, whom he predestined, this he also called. Whom he called, this he also justified. And whom he justified, this he also glorified. Can you see the beautiful trajectory there? He loved us. He called us according to purpose. Remember last week, purpose is the original intention in the heart of the manufacturer for creating a product. Therefore, a product has no say on its purpose. Right? Only the producer has a say on its purpose. And we also said that the fact that a product is deployed for something other than purpose does not determine that that's what it was created for. And therefore, any deployment of a product outside its purpose is error. Abuse. Any deployment of purpose outside its, its uh, product outside its purpose is error. And then we now see that the purpose of man is Christ, because God created man in his own image and after his likeness. And we see that Christ is the express image of God, the image of his person. So if God created man in his image and the image of God is Christ, then God created man Christ. So God consulted Christ in the making of man, right? That he might be the firstborn of many brethren, that he might bring many sons into glory. We understand that. So purpose is the purpose of man is Christ. Because of that purpose, as we see in Romans chapter 8, <coughs> verse 28, we see that because of that purpose, he foreknew us and he predestined us to conform to Christ. So our purpose is Christ. Ephesians 1. Can somebody say, My purpose is Christ? Ephesians chapter 1. You see the next place again where that word appears in your Bible. Ephesians 1. Um, I need verse 5, but let's go from verse 3 for context. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, can somebody say has, blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. 
just as he chose us in him, Christ, from the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Five, having done what? Predestined. See that word again? Predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. He predestined us for what? Adoption as so all along, the purpose of God for man was sonship. Can you see it? To be Christ. I, I've taught you before that God created us that there should be a plurality or a multiplicity of Christs in the earth. That was the intent in the heart of God. Only begotten son was just the seed point. Many sons in glory is the ultimate. Do you understand? Only begotten was the beginning, was the seed that has to fall to the ground and die. If it doesn't die, it abides alone. Jesus was talking about himself, not money. And not agriculture either. Except this seed falls down and dies, it will abide alone. It will be the only son God has. If this son doesn't come down from heaven and die, it will remain the only begotten son. It abides alone. <laughs> but if he falls down and dies, he brings many sons into glory. So only begotten son was the seed point. The ultimate is many sons in glory because that was the heart of the father. God has always wanted many children. God has never wanted one son. Let me let it sink in for a bit. God has never wanted one son. From eternity past, God has always wanted sons. So even before human beings were created, God had co-opted angelic beings and called them sons. Not because they were sons, but to display the father nature of the most high. Do you understand? Job 38 shows you, right? When God is questioning Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? When sons of God sang for joy. Angelic beings. The same ones you see in Genesis 6. When it says, and Nephilim were upon the earth. And then they, sons of God, took upon to themselves as wives the daughters of men. So clearly they were not a human race. Otherwise, there would not have been a distinction between sons of God and daughters of men. So even before human beings were created, God had extended his father nature to the beings around him. They were the closest things that gave him joy. He's never wanted one son. He's wanted all of us as sons. And not just all of us as sons, but all of us as sons of the same standing as the firstborn. Do you understand? So God looks at you at the, the ultimate is that at some point God will look at you and look at Jesus and squint his eyes because he can't tell the difference between you and Jesus. Until you get that, keep looking. Keep beholding. That's what the gospel is about. 
Every day you wake up, keep beholding. You fall, you stumble, you get up, you dust up, you keep looking. Because you are what you see. And what you see. And it will happen. I mean, it does not yet appear what we shall look like, but we know that when we see him, so we are like him in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. But there's, there's still a him that we shall yet be. And so we are beholding us in a mirror. The, that glory. And we are being conformed into that same image. It's a journey. So not just are we sons. But I mean, sometimes we don't think of the nomenclature of our Bibles when we read. So he made us heirs of the Father, God. Joint heirs. Think about it. No, we don't think about it. You see why I said the carnal mind cannot grasp spiritual things? Because what does it mean to be joint heirs? If Jesus has 10% of God, I have 10% of God. I have equal share to God with Jesus. Otherwise, remove joint and just leave heirs there. Don't confuse us. But we are heirs of the Father. We have an inheritance with the Father. Joint heirs with the Son. So we have an inheritance with the Father. We have equal share of that inheritance with the Son. Joint heirs. Can somebody say joint heirs? When you have a joint account, what does it mean? A can withdraw. B can withdraw. No need to consult. What is A's is B's. What is B's is A's. And we are joint heirs with the son. The fact that you cannot yet wake up and tell a dead person, rise up, does not make you less a joint heir with the son. Please keep looking. Keep looking. Keep beholding. You are no less. Your sonship is not measured by your capacity. It's measured by your identity. But sonship is not measured based on what you deliver. It's based on who you inherited. He that came first in the house, he that came fifth in the house, have the same surname. I wish you could catch something. Somebody messed up yesterday. Somebody did well yesterday. They both ate breakfast, lunch, and dinner. If we're going to drop them in school, we didn't say the person that came last should trek. They don't deserve a ride in the car. We're only going to drop those that came first, second, and third. We don't do that. Because all of them in that house are joint heirs of their father. You might not be pleased with all of them at the same time, but they are all sons of equal standing in his eyes. And if you are evil, you know, you, you see, you, you, Christians keep playing down the fatherhood of God. We keep thumbing him down. If you as an earthly father will not discriminate between your children, what makes you think God will do that? makes you, what convinces you that because you've messed up, the Holy Spirit leaves you? What kind of God is that? 
Today is happy with you. Tomorrow is not happy with you. Today is pleased with you. Tomorrow is not pleased with you. You came first. Yay, my son. I jubilate to you. Whom am I please? You came last. Depart from me. I know you not. You know what I'm <laughs> But see, that's how we, that's how we con- picture God. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying tonight? And that's why a lot of believers are so restless. Because you're not convinced of what you have in God. You're so restless. Somebody will tell you, you can't sleep. Oh. When, that when you're sleeping, that when sleep is sweet, is when principalities and powers are awake. You have to stay up and fight them. When before the cross, before the Holy Spirit, Psalm 3, David said, I lay me down and I slept. I awoke for the Lord sustained me. Didn't pray. I lay me down and I slept. I awoke for the Lord sustained me. A man before the cross, before grace, before the Holy Spirit will dare to sleep and not think about himself and wake up. A man who when he fell flat on his face and took another man's wife, prayed a prayer. He said, cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. At the point he fell, he still had the Holy Spirit. If he did not have the Holy Spirit, he would not pray, don't take him from me. Think about it. If the Holy Spirit had already left, he would have been saying, return the Holy Spirit to me. But because he still had the Holy Spirit, he said, don't take him from me. So we are sons. And one day you wake up and go, you know what? My father expects better of me. Listen, when you mess up, you know. You have the Holy Spirit. You don't need me to tell you. When he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. He, he, he is convicting. But you're not less a son because you becoming less a son means an altering or changing of your destiny. You, you, you are a son. That is your destiny. In fact, it is your predestiny. So you are saved into your destiny. God should now come and change it and take you to where? To give you a better destiny than sonship, he predestined us. Can we continue? Ephesians 1, 5. Mm. You're getting this already. Can somebody say joint heirs? Uh, According to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. 7. In him we have redemption... Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he proposed in himself as the manufacturer of the product, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one, hmm, that scripture is here, all things in Christ, <laughs> both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. The purpose of God is that in this dispensation, he might gather in one, as one, all things in heaven, on earth, in Christ. So do you then understand why I said last week 
that all things were created for Christ. I said, and I quote, Christ is the purpose of all things. That's why all things were created by him. which are in heaven and on earth in him. 11, which is where we're going. In him, we see that script, that line again. In him also, we have obtained an inheritance. Being what? Predestined. According to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. A scripture we know very well. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I just want to read a few scriptures and then put them together. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 16. Are we there? Talk to me, please. 1 Corinthians 9, 16. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Necessity is laid upon me. Woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. So Paul, by virtue of what we have seen that we've all been called into, because all believers are called. Hello. Hello. What you call, I was called into ministry, fivefold ministry. It's not ministry, it's gifts for all of us to do ministry. Ephesians 4, right? To some he gave. What is it that he, when he came and he went abroad, he gave gifts to men, some apostles, some pastors, some evangelists, some, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Hello? Who does ministry? The saints. Who is called? All of us. So against that backdrop, Paul then says, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. I preach the gospel because necessity is laid upon me. I cannot but preach the gospel. I am called to be a worship leader. That's my assignment. Everywhere worship is waiting to be led. I am going to be there to lead it. Because I am called to lead the people in worship. I'm a preacher. Give me a pulpit. I will preach. Give me a microphone. I will preach. Don't give me a microphone. I will preach. Because I am called to be a preacher. Paul says, I am called to preach this gospel. It necessity behoves me. To preach it. I don't need further insight to preach it. 
Please stay with me. Especially those of you who are active in one ministry expression or the other. Stay with me. A necessity is laid on me. I, I, I have to teach the word. Right? Woe is me. Now let's go to Acts. Now I'm ready for Acts. Keep the backdrop, the picture I've just painted at the back of your mind. This is the same Paul traveling who said, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. Acts 16, verse 6. Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, are you, are you there? What's the next line? <laughs> Wait, he said, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. I preach the gospel, necessity is laid on me. And then he goes into Galatia to preach the gospel and the Holy Spirit forbade him. So be careful what you are convinced you know. We said a few weeks ago in the series that in our walk with God and pursuit of Christ, what is right could be wrong. And what is wrong could be right. What is me? Necessity means I cannot but preach the gospel. That's what we're saved for, right? To show for the praise of him who called us. And then the same person that called you to preach the gospel forbids you. What will your typical response be? I come against you, Satan. Thou foul spirits, voices from my father's house. You know it's always your father's house. You and your father are cool. Have you noticed you and your father are fine? It's just you and his house that have a problem. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? You and your father, you're all right. But your father's house, you're not right. You and your mom, you're fine. Your mother's house. The Holy Spirit, who forbade them? Hmm. See verse 7. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. And then of course the famous Macedonian call happened after that. You can be convinced by what the Lord has told you to do that you miss what the Lord has told you to do. (laughs) You can be convinced about what the Lord has told you to do that you miss what God has told you to do. So God cannot... let 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 me put it this way. You cannot, therefore, hear God say, do something, and then leave God to go and do it. Because you're convinced God sent you to do it. So you run off, shut off your ears. You are pumping with adrenaline and grace and fire and power and zeal, going to do what God sent you to do. You shut your ears to what he's saying. And you get there, and you do it, and he didn't send you. Yes, yes. But he sent you. Amen. 
purpose of man is Christ. The image of God is Christ. We are called to shine that light of Christ to the nations. Woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. What's the gospel? Christ and him crucified. That every nation must hear. Otherwise the end of the age will not come. It's crucial that the gospel is preached. That's the purpose of man. And Paul goes to preach it, running with purpose. And purpose says, stop. I didn't send you. So you can be so caught up in what you are convinced you are called to do, that you miss what you are called to do. The most dangerous preachers are those that don't need to ask God what he has to say for now. The most dangerous preachers are the ones that don't have to ask the Lord, what are you saying now? You have messages prepared for different themes of the program. I know what I'm talking about. You open your archives or even download one from the internet. And you get up and you just do stuff. And you took your eyes off the prize. You took your eyes off the prize. I said a while ago, people thought I was, I, I was heretic. When I said, there are times when you are praying. The Holy Spirit will say, shut up. Go and watch TV. No tongues, no utterance. If you push it, you're on your own. At that point, it sounds like the devil's voice. Stop praying and watch TV. And you can use pray without ceasing. To justify why God cannot ever tell you, shut up. You can use, let each one give as he has proposed in his heart. For God loves a cheerful giver. To shut down when the Lord can actually tell you, empty your account. You think his Old Testament. He can still tell you today. Give everything in your pocket. Ah, but God, that is not cheerful. Talk to me, somebody. Does, does your word not say that you love a cheerful giver? I'm not giving this cheerfully. And God will be like, eh, give it. <laughs> Who gave it to you? When I gave it to you, did you ask me whether I gave it to you cheerfully? <laughs> or not? Hmm. <laughs> You collected it not minding the chair or the absence of the chair. <laughs> now we want you to give it. You are looking for the chair factor. And so we can foreclose what God is saying because of what God said. Are you getting this thing, people? This is heavy stuff. You can foreclose what the Lord is saying because of what the Lord said. Because of what the Lord said. And then you realize that all the time in, in God's dealings with men, he's just trying to get them to the point where they, they rely on him absolutely. That's what God will tell Moses, go and tell Pharaoh. And then he will not go and harden Pharaoh's heart. And then come back and tell Moses, I have hardened his heart. Why are you then sending me to go and do stop myself? I, I, you have hardened his heart. So why am I still going to them to let my people go? But God, I'm not going. I, I know what you have already done now. Uh, you have had in his heart. Eh? He's, he, won't listen, he won't listen to me. 
listen to me. And you realize it's not about that. It's not about the hardening or not hardening. It's about God trying to see if you are tuned in at all times to the frequency at which he's transmitting. God is not Father FM, 93.1 today, tomorrow, 93.1, Wednesday, 93.1, Thursday, 93.1, next week, 93.1. God is, God is dynamic. It's dynamic. You get up tomorrow with God and you go and tune at 3.1, you will not hear his voice. Frequency shifted. <laughs> God at the days when he's in a mountain, you climb. Or he's in a temple, you go into. Or you go to church, you go and lie on the altar. You can be convinced about what God said that you shut out what he's saying. And sometimes in the building of your faith and obedience, God will appear to overrule what he said. In your building of your faith and obedience and trust, God will appear. Appear. You don't start to teach God his word. God, but you're not a man that you cannot like. No, teach him. Tell him. Tell him. You want to teach God his word. And imagine God looking at you, the word looking at you. The word looking at you. Yeah. Have you finished? Now pass. Go on. Get to Bithynia. No, don't preach there either. Go on, Macedonia. But these guys were saved. The gospel got to them. The gospel got to them. And in our pursuit of Christ, we can be so caught up in what we are convinced our assignment is, what our purpose is, that we forget the workings, the fleshing out of that idea, the fleshing out of that business, the fleshing out of that relationship. People, I've heard people many times say to me, man of God, the Lord said I should put together a worship event or whatever, whatever, whatever. And then you now bring 26 artists. Nine hip-hop artists. Six dance choreography groups. Eight comedians. You didn't hear God. Or you didn't wait for the details. So I don't show up in events because they heard God. I show up when I see a trail of them paying attention to detail. Because God could have said, organize an outreach. And you didn't sit down to get the fullness of the details. And in the fleshing out of the details, he changes something you are convinced you heard him say. You're convinced this is your keynote speaker. You are convinced. Man of God, you know what I'm talking about. And last minute, God will just flip it. And somebody that was supposed to be your auxiliary or even third now becomes the main person. And everything God wanted to do in that event was in the locked up in the spirit of that person. Now you will be trying to pull heaven and earth to make sure that that vision you saw when you were praying. God showed me a fat man, he's thin. Yeah. Fat man, wherever you are hiding. God showed me a fair lady. This one is dark. 
And Father, no matter how much this one bleaches, she will not become fair. Enough to match the fairness I saw. Father, this cannot be you. And sometimes God takes you on a journey or process. So that you hear him not just as you want to hear him, but as he intends to be heard. Are you listening? That's all God is trying to establish. Not are you obeying, are you listening? God took Abraham on a senseless journey. If you read the story of Abraham, geographically speaking, God was just taking Abraham around. Aimless journey. Abraham didn't go anywhere. He ended up where he started. Where did he go? Get up, pitch your tent here. Get up, go there. Pitch your tent here. Okay, covenant, you see me. Okay, I'm exceeding gritty word. Get up, pitch your tent, go here. He gets into trouble. He lies, you know, famine in the land. He says his wife is his sister. He gets up. And one day, he obeys fully. Genesis 12. God said to, I don't know, God said to, to Abraham, leave your father's house and come to a land that I will show and Abraham left his father's house. There's one sentence we always ignore. And Lot went with him. So Abraham did not leave his father's house. Because his father's house went with him. Leave your father's house. So he kept going. And God was processing Abraham to get to the point of total obedience. And one day, life happened. After life happened, Lot chose the best part of the east. And he went. And the next verse, and the Lord appeared to Abraham after that Lot had departed from him. And said, now, lift up your eyes and look. North, south, east, west, as far as your eyes can see, I have given. Not I'm about, it's not not now I'm giving you. Long ago. I've given you. It's it's all been yours. And we we jump into that, we forget that it was after that Lot departed from him. Because God said, leave your father's house and I'll show you a land. I will show you. Are you with me? I this I will take you to a land. I will show you. You will see a land. Do you, do you understand? It was a seeing thing. It was a perception thing. Not a geographical location change thing. Come and I will show you. Come to a land I will show. But he sabotaged the journey. He was convinced he obeyed God. He heard God. He left his father's house. It was painful. To leave Terah, his father, leave Nahor, leave everything and move. And after that, Lot departed from him. Lot went east. And he saw the north. He saw south. He saw east. He saw west. Four cardinal points. And God, all along, all this is your journey. It was a matter of sight. So be, con- be careful because before you are convinced you are following the instructions of God. 
could go on that and teach a whole teaching on that. Because here's what happens. Lord goes, goes east to Sodom. Come on now. East of the Jordan. Abraham just continues to build tents. Abraham never built a house. He was such a nomad. He never settled. And then Sodom and Gomorrah are in trouble. And God is about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He comes to negotiate with the landlord of Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham. Because when Abraham looked east, the father's house he was fighting to preserve. You know, I, I owe it to the legacy of my brother to look after his son. His brother was nice to me. My brother was nice to me when he was alive. And now he's dead. I have to look after Lot. What am I going to leave Lot for? So, I, yes, God, I've left my father's house, but surely it couldn't be out of place for me to carry my nephew with me. And that cost him sight. The moment he let go of the last of his father's house, his eyes opened and he saw that his nephew had been given to him from day one. Because Lot went east. When it was time to destroy east, God came to Abraham. He said, okay, there's, there's, there's problem in your property. There's issues there. Lot is there. So, Abraham starts to negotiate 45. Righteous ones. 30. 20. 10. And even when time couldn't be found, God still dispatched angels to go and remove Abraham's property from Sodom and Gomorrah before destroying it. Just see. So, so should have, from the beginning, should have left Lot because Lot was covered. Yes. Lot was Abraham's Lot, but he knew it not. Yeah. <laughs> Lot was his Lot, but he knew it not. And so what you're convinced is purpose, what you're convinced is, is responsibility, can stand in the way of your assignment. You are convinced, family, parents, children, school fees, house rent, cars, acquisitions. Didn't God call us to prosper in the earth? The same God that causes you to prosper, the same God that can say, lay it all down. Now, if you're a good steward enough to receive it, you should be a good steward enough to lay it down. Like, like, like Pastor Mark said, what's material acquisitions? You, you, you get to a point in your work with God where it dies. Do you understand? You, I'm, not, I'm not afraid of cabs anymore. I'm not afraid of trekking. We have driven cars. We have other cars fresh from the factory. Do you understand? Call the factory, call Chrysler, order the spec of car we want. Driven it for one week. And God said, now go. Suffered and bought a Jag, brand new X-Type. You, you know when you buy a car, you don't believe you bought it. You know, if you have not been, you don't understand what I'm saying. When you open the window every five minutes to look, you know what I'm talking about? To look at it. You don't understand. I live on the third floor. I would open every time. If I had anything, I would open. The car is insured. He has alarm. He has immobilizer. Mind no rest. No. Because you, an African man in the UK driving a brand new X-Type, then you begin to be afraid of the anointing by which the car came. Because you know, you know one of the most dangerous things about ministry is for your ministry to be endorsed beyond your wildest imaginations. 
I don't have time to teach. Man, you don't understand. It's one thing to be convinced you are called into ministry. It's more dangerous when somebody believes it. It can drive you crazy. Huh. You guys can't handle some things. I've always told you guys, young people particularly, the most dangerous thing for anybody is to have an audience. Anything you saw on Facebook, you get 10 likes, two loves, four, four wows. And so you two, your fingers become itchy. Wow. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you begin to speak anyhow. Everybody's apostle on Facebook. Everybody's pastor. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. And then you to become gullible because if this thing was shared 200 times, it must be something about it that has gumption. So you're a man of God and then somebody comes and gives you a, a cup of water in the name of a prophet. You, you, you have a car parked outside that you didn't buy. For the first two weeks, you're afraid that they might change their mind. <laughs> You get to the point where you are so humbled, material things don't matter anymore. You don't. You don't. And, and at that point, whatever the Lord asks you to give up, you give up. You give up. I've told my wife over and over, if I go home and I hear God say, this house, as it is now, move out. It belongs to Sonny, not you again. <laughs> let, me, <laughs> let me speak to an empty chair. Because I sense a homeless person that's like, this is the hour of my visitation, Lord. Lord, I knew, I said the man of God will call my case. And I will, pro- I bind you. Move out of your house as it is. <laughs> but by now, I'm sure if you are in this house and following me, you know. Yeah. That by mo- I'm, I'm... You see, you get to the point where stuff dies. Let God be true. Let every man be a liar. In our quest to pursue Christ, you must take the word of God and then be taking the word of God you have taken. You must take the word of God and then you must continually take the word you have taken so that you don't miss what the word should do in your life because of what you took and then you stopped taking. So you can't hear a word and say, I receive, I receive, I receive, I receive. That's where it begins. Yes, sir. That's the good fight of faith. Not witches and wizards. That's why it's called the fight of faith. Faith there referring to doctrine. Pistis. What you are fully persuaded about. Fight the good fight of what you are fully persuaded about. That's what faith means. Conviction. Fight the good fight of your conviction. What you believed. Take the word, hear the word, and keep taking it until you have taken it. That's what Paul will say. I'm, I'm wanting to apprehend that for which I have also been apprehended. Something has grasped me. Now I want to grasp it. If it has grasped me, why am I trying to grasp it? 
But the fact that he grasped you is the more reason why you should push until you grasp what has grasped you. So you have been made Christ. Now be Christ. So I'm going with this. Do you understand? You have been made Christ. You have been conformed Christ. Now be Christ until you become Christ. <laughs> Do you understand? You came from Christ. You were fashioned of Christ. You were made Christ. Now allow Christ to be formed in you so that at the end you are now fully Christ. That's the purpose of man. And don't let this pursuit of God derail you from the purpose of God. You can chase after God so badly you miss him. I'm not done with this, but we have to close. Tell your neighbor, calm down. So seriously, tell him seriously, seriously, calm down. Calm down. Do you understand what I mean by that? Yeah, calm down. Calm down and apprehend. Calm down and see. Calm down and behold. Calm down and become. Calm down and listen. And listen. And listen. And listen. And listen. And listen until you become. Calm down. Please tell your neighbor again, calm down. Let's give God praise here tonight. Thank you, Father. We behold you. We become you. We continue in our being you until we are fully you. We thank you for your spirit shed abroad in our hearts. We receive your word from our spirits. And therefore, it brings forth fruit on the inside of us. We thank you that every issue that we're dealing with is mended by the understanding of who we are in you and who you are to us. We thank you. We give you all the praise. Amen. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening, and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.